ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. Thank you very much for joining us today. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I spent the weekend with my family and I was reading books and doing a lot of thinking. And I'm discovering holidays are a lot more different when I'm not consuming White Claws by the six pack. So I learned a lot and I, I'm enjoying this new clear mind I have because I find myself asking more questions and thinking a little bit clearer on topics and just seeing through a lot of the, the noise in front of us that prevents us from actually getting anywhere. And that's obviously, if you listen to this podcast a lot, know that's one of my biggest pet peeves is the distraction that prevents us from doing anything, right? The facts versus rhetoric. We're just fed this shit to keep us confused and divided, and then we'll never actually solve a problem. The gears have been turning, and I watched a video recently of a guy who was interviewing college-age women, I think he was on a campus, and he asked their thoughts on the American flag, and if guys wear clothing with an American flag on it, how it made them feel. What were their initial thoughts, if any, right? And the answers from several women were that they were racist or redneck or a white supremacist or a MAGA Republican. And one woman went so far as to say she was embarrassed of the flag. Now, listen, you have to take these videos with a grain of salt, right? You have to keep a couple of things in mind. This video was obviously edited, obviously to try to prove a point. He could have interviewed 100 women, 1,000 women, and just took the craziest five to, to make his point. So when you're watching this shit, you do have to acknowledge, obviously, both sides before you just accept it as, well, this is the consensus of the majority. And you have to realize these realities before you go repeating it as fact to others, right? And when you do a podcast, you don't want to say this represents everybody. So it was very interesting to me because I do feel like that's a thing. And I bring it up today because I think a lot of people today feel the same way. You know, in the presidential debate episode, I purposely went out of my way to support nationalism. Despite the attempts made by those who control the narrative, I still know what nationalism means. And I'm about to give you reason number 73, why you need to buy an old dictionary. Because with today's technology, they can control what you see, change how things are worded and displayed. And this is a novel tactic, meaning this is a new tactic. And we can easily combat this thing if we agree that the facts matter and the definitions don't change, just politics. So according to the Random House College Dictionary, the 1975 revised edition I bought at Savers, nationalism is a noun, and it means national spirit or aspirations. Uh, number two, it means devotion to the interest of one's own nation. And number three, it's a desire for national advancement or independence. So when I use the word nationalism, that's what I'm referring to. So when I say I support everyone's right to display their nationalism, and how I will never look down on someone who loves their country, that's the nationalism I'm referring to. And also when I advocate for the abolition of the demonization of nationalism, it's the original definition I'm referring to, not the new one that's going to pop up if you Google it today. You type in, what is nationalism? And it's going to pop up and say something like, nationalism is an ideology that emphasizes loyalty, devotion, and allegiance to a nation or nation-state and holds that such obligations outweigh other individual or group interests. Now, you might get something totally different too, because that's the other cool thing about the internet. You get different shit based on who you are, your search history, your algorithm, and what they want you to see and what they don't. 
But can you see that's a very different definition of nationalism than the one I read from the dictionary? I would never advocate for anything that to outweigh individual interests. Can you see how the waters have been muddied there with that definition change and the wording change? After 9-11, how would you have characterized people's behavior and attitude towards the United States of America? Right? Every household had an American flag. Everyone was proud to be an American. KFVS, the news station in Missouri, reported, quote, On the day after the attacks, Walmart sold 888,000 American flags compared to 6,400 on the same day a year earlier. In the following months, tens of millions of star-spangled banners flew off the shelves, end quote. CNBC reported, quote, In the week following the attacks, Elder sold more than 3 million flag-related items, mostly flags, but also things like flag lapel buttons. People stood in line for hours to buy a flag, and the company worked day and night to meet the demand, end quote. So the nationalism, that national spirit, and the patriotism, that, which is the devoted love, support, and defense of, our, of one's country, national loyalty, right? That was, that was okay after September 11th, 2001, but it's not now question mark, right? Jesus, like what, what, is, what has changed? Did the people change? Are, are the vast majority of people who bought flags and came together as a nation after 9-11 now suddenly white supremacists? Are they Russian sympathizers? Like what happened? What changed? The people or the politics? Do you remember President Biden's speech this summer when he was in front of the Capitol, had that ominous scary-ass red lighting and the armed guards behind him. Tonight, I've come to this place where it all began to speak as plainly as I can to the nation about the threats we face, about the power we have in our own hands to meet these threats, and about the incredible future that lies in front of us if only we choose it. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. <clears throat> not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence. Whew. So if you feel the same way as the president, that the MAGA Republicans or the ultra MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that, quote, threatens the foundation of our republic. If you feel the same way, just please shoot me an email and explain to me how a group of people that their political opponents have labeled them ultra MAGA to demonize and marginalize and dismiss their criticism. Explain to me how a made up group name can be a real threat to anything other than your narrative. I'd love to hear. I'm not seeing the connection, so I need to investigate the what I don't know. And also, quote, MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, end quote. 
couple follow-up questions there, Mr. President. How exactly big are the MAGA forces? Do we have any numbers? Do we do they have nuclear weapons? Do they have weapons of mass destruction? Does this made-up entity want to go back to an America where there is no right to choose? Is that back to 2021 with the U.S. military, college students, federal employees, prison guards, state and local police, healthcare workers, firefighters, first responders did not have a choice and were forced to take an experimental medical procedure with no long-term safety data or proof that it does anything beneficial or else they're going to lose their fucking jobs and livelihood? Back to that time? Whoops. No, that was you. So what are we talking about? Are we back to a time where the Supreme Court correctly overturned Roe v. Wade? And I'm not saying it's correct in overturning it because of what Roe v. Wade, the topic of discussion, that has nothing to do with it. It's the constitutionality of it. So overturning an unconstitutional statute does not prevent a woman to have a choice when it comes to her individual health. You're talking about that one? Because state laws always supersede federal laws. Does everyone remember that? And the federal government cannot do anything unless it is spelled out in the Constitution. I've read the Constitution several times, and I don't remember seeing any language on abortions. We're okay with choice as far as a woman's abortion is concerned, and not okay with choice in the, the same woman doesn't want to take a mandated experimental medical product given to us by a criminal organization that accepts no liability. They only accept profits. Okay, that makes sense. Did the concept of choice change or did the politics? And also, this has kind of been bugging me. How old are we? <laughs> what is up with the name calling? Ultra MAGA. Really? What is this? The outsiders? You get the Soches versus the Greasers? Or is it Grease? You get the fucking T-Birds and the Scorpions? What are we, in high school? Can we stop the name calling and ask some questions like an adult? Maybe demand specifics. I'll get some common language, get some defined terms so we know what we're talking about. And this should be the job of the journalists, but they're all bought and paid for, so they have no fucking journalistic integrity or personal integrity, much like everything else today. So unfortunately, you're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to put some effort in. Sorry, it's time to act your age. So ultra MAGA is a threat. That's what I got. Okay, that's what I keep hearing. So some anonymous person who wants to make America great again is a threat to our republic. And from what I can gather, because there, there are never any specifics given, never any coherent examples given of these mystical individuals whose greatest sin is they want their country to be great again. Hmm. So just doing the math here. If they are the biggest threat to our republic, what do you want to do? Keep America not great? Keep America divided and fighting itself? Keep America from recognizing all of its problems are a result of government? All right, so fuck the guys with the red MAGA hat who wants his country to be great, who wants his country to be a great place again, like it used to be most of his life or her life. F that guy. Here's a blue K-A-D-A-F-I hat. Oh, it's Gaddafi. A blue Gaddafi hat. Keep America divided and fighting itself hat. And real quick, since I ended up at Gaddafi not meaning to, I do have a little nugget that you probably never heard on the news. And it's something to consider. So Gaddafi, the former, who's now deceased, the former evil, in quotes, dictator of Libya, 
that we had to kill and get rid of because, I don't know, the CIA told us he was mean. Did you know that under Gaddafi and before the U.S. and NATO invasion of Libya, Libya had the highest human development index, the lowest infant mortality, and the highest life expectancy in all of Africa? Okay, so before the U.S. and NATO invaded fucking Libya, they had the highest, the best standard of life and care in their country. Wait, Nick, if life was so good for the citizens of Libya, why did the U.S. want Gaddafi removed from power? I don't know. Probably because of fossil fuels or natural resources. Oh, would you look at that? Before the current U.S.-NATO military invasion, Libya was pumping 1,800,000 barrels a day of excellent quality light oil, along with abundant deposits of natural gas. Such riches because shared with the Libyan people, allowed Libya to reach a life expectancy that is almost at 75 years of age and the highest per capita income in Africa. What that means in plain English is because Libya was pumping and selling their own natural resources, it lifted up their citizens' life expectancy and they had the highest per capita income their citizens did in Africa. So if you were like, Nick, who's doing great in Africa? Libya, number one, doing the best. And in December of 1951, Libya became the first African country to attain its independence after World War II. Its harsh desert is located over an enormous lake of fossil waters equivalent to more than three times the land area of Cuba. This has made it possible to construct a broad network of pipelines of fresh water that stretch from one end of the country to the other. So we have an African country with great natural resources, great water source, a great standard of living for its citizens, and a dictator in power. Hmm. Let me just uh, grab the uh, CIA playbook here for creating a coup, overthrowing a dictator and stealing the natural resources, while turning the country into a failed state with human slave trades. Should I get the one where we have the dictator get sodomized in the streets with swords to really send a message? Yeah, let's get that one. And let's make sure we release the video footage to send a message to everyone. But you'll say, Nick, Nick, Gaddafi was bad. Hillary Clinton told me. Well, call me crazy, but I don't believe the Secretary of State who commits war crimes on the regular or the CIA when they tell you we have to invade and we have to kill, and we have to destroy another sovereign country because someone is bad. What's your definition of bad? Right? Everyone in that country, for the most part, has a better quality of life, standard of living, life expectancy than everybody else on the fucking continent. And that's the guy we got to go after and kill? Does that make any sense to anybody? Follow-up question, would we even be doing it if there wasn't oil there? Probably not. And also, have we looked in the mirror? We are the biggest terrorist in the world, right? We're not spreading democracy to the world. We can't even make our own bed. Why would anyone want or believe we could help anyone else? It's a fucking joke. Jesus, when I say this shit out loud, I feel like I'm not on the same planet as the people who just blindly support ideas that don't make any sense. And again, any ideas based on falsehoods or lies can only result in suffering. The bad idea was we got to get rid of Gaddafi because he's mean, he's a dictator. Well, that was a lie. All the stories that were made up about him was a lie, for the most part, because they were manufacturing consent to go start shit in Libya. 
And you would only be okay with that if you thought he was a really bad dictator. And there were people were suffering. No, they're suffering now. They're, it's a failed fucking state with open slave trades. Now it's a power vacuum. Yeah, he was a dictator. Who gives a shit? That's their country. They have a problem with it. Let them deal with it. Hmm. One last thing to consider that popped into my head. Why are people committing mass murder? Why are people driving their cars into groups of people? Why are people randomly attacking people? Right? Why, like the why is what I've been thinking about. And when these tragic events happen, they're quickly politicized, right? Yo, see, guns are bad. This is, that was a fucking hate crime. We still got a lot of work to do. We need this legislation. We need that legislation. So we jump to the conclusions that support our solutions. Well, that rhymes. Don't jump to conclusions that support our solutions. Right? Before we have any of the facts, instead of that unproductive and divisive exercise, why aren't we asking the question, what would make somebody do that? Are there any common denominators? You know, here's where we need skepticism and, you know, scientific method and just asking fucking questions. This is how we know things. We ask questions. We eliminate possibilities. We identify patterns. We predict behavior. Like these are all things that we've been doing since the dark ages that we suddenly don't do anymore. Why aren't we asking the question, what would make somebody do that? Are there any common denominators? You know, were these people on the same antidepressants? Were these people on the same blood thinners? Are there any medical similarities? Did these people grow up on the fucking power lines? They eat lead paint as kids? Do you see my point? We need to investigate why they did this. What had to happen in their life or in their brain or whatever that made them think it was okay to drive their car through a parade or drive their car through a group of runners or open fire in a Walmart or go into a school and shoot a kid in the face? I mean, Jesus H. Christ, shouldn't this be job number one? Because we can easily go back and look through their lives, their medical history. We can interview friends and family. We can get valuable information, right, and compare it to the other ones. We don't need to sit around and speculate on intent and try to use it politically. We can be adults. We can condemn the behavior. We can feel bad for all the victims. And that should motivate us to want to look into ways to prevent these types of tragic events from happening again. But seriously, people, thoughts and prayers and government legislation is not solving the root cause of the problem. We don't even know what we're trying to solve. Does that make sense? That's the part that stick. That's my, I think we can all agree, no matter what your political background is, mother, daughter, son, brother, have kids, don't have kids. You have a fucking heart. Unless you're a complete psychopath, you can understand that this is a problem. We have needless people dying. Okay. Why? Well, it's a gun. No. It's the car. No. It's the person. What is wrong with that fucking person? Are we looking at that? Are we talking about that? It's just something that popped into my head as I enjoyed a long weekend with my family sober. So figured it'd be good content to you guys to think about. And then watch how all of the coverage on this doesn't talk about that. One side's going to be like, I can't believe you're using tragedies to, to further your uh, unconstitutional legislative agenda. And the other side's going to be like, oh, I can't believe you. You're going to let kids fucking die. Or the gays, or what? You know, it's it's the same shit, but we're not any closer to figuring out. Oh, how do we prevent it from the first place? You can take all the cars away and all the guns away. It's still gonna happen. It'll just be a different a different means.
So Monday's call to action, identify the root cause of an issue and discuss ways to solve that. It's the only way I know to actually fix a problem and prevent it from happening again. All the leaves are brown, leaves are brown and the sky is gray. Save the war, 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 if I was in L.A.